Is there not an entire section on this subject? No, yes, I may have changed my mind in the meantime on that, so it's unfair. I may have, I may have changed my mind about Mithra, for example. Is, is, your, is your book for sale about it? Yes, what have you ever asked God for forgiveness? <laughs> I'm not sure I have. I just go and try and do a better job from there. I don't think so. Let me tell you, 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 let culture and everything that happened this week. Uh, so first off, we had some crazy, crazy uh, fireworks at the Democratic uh, debate. Uh, full disclosure, I did not watch um, anything but little bits and clips here and there. Um, I, I, I don't have the patience to watch these debates, but the clips that I watched... Uh, were pretty crazy. Um, everybody seemed to just level all barrels were leveled at uh, Mike Bloomberg. Um, so he spent a whole lot of money, got himself onto the debate stage, and immediately got hammered by everybody. And rightly so. <laughs> you know, I mean, he... Whether he bought his way into the... They all have bought their way in. In one way or another. They are... Whether it's his money, anybody else's money. They've all paid millions. Millions and millions of dollars have gone into advertising and all these campaigns. So, in essential, essentially, every one of these guys and ladies have bought their way onto this stage. But Michael Bloomberg... Uh, obviously the one who used his own money or the majority, I don't know how much he's fundraised. Um, again, Trump supposedly was the, the not going to take any no, uh, donations, but he did. Uh, he was going to be the self-funder, but he took tons of uh, millions of dollars in donations, went into his campaign fund as, fund as well. So, but a couple of clips, I should have loaded the clip in and let it play, but uh, just go look for the clip. There's a, a YouTube clip, and it is the something to the best best 10 minutes or something of that of the debate. Um, and it's basically just all of them speaking over each other, yelling over each other, going, going back and forth. And, I mean, Donald Trump is the most immature childish uh, middle school playground bully candidate that we have seen ever in my lifetime. The debates that went on with Donald Trump were ridiculous. I mean, he's calling people names, low energy Jeb, little Marco, lion Ted, you know, he went through and he called all these people names when he got down to him and Hillary, it was crooked Hillary, all these things. And, and you know, if you listen to this podcast for any amount of time, I don't approve of that. 
I'm not, I, I have no problem with sarcasm. I have no problem with satire. I have no problem with any of, you know, using things. But when we get to the point of calling names, that, that literally is just call it bad form, call it ad hominem, whatever it is. It's, it's bad debate tactic. And in everything that we saw with Donald Trump, watching these guys debate the other day, the, or the, the few little few minutes that I did see YouTube clips and so on, was beyond the pale. I mean, it was, it made the, the Republican debates in 2016 look civil. Um, and the comment I made when I shared it and I posted it on Facebook was, this is why Donald Trump wins. Because it, all of these guys and ladies made themselves look like fools. Complete and utter fools in this debate. Um, and none of them have an answer for any of the things they want to do. None of them have any real valid plans for health care, po- uh, foreign policy, anything. Um, the economy, uh, what, what was the... Uh, um, I think it was a Babylon Bee article, a headline was, um, Democrats spend four hours, or two hours, two and a half hours, uh, discussing the the greatest way to destroy the economy, or something to that effect, and that's literally what they are doing, that's what's happening um, on this whole thing, so it just, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to say about the Democratic debates, except for they got exciting. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I mean, the most excitement we've had is, you know, when uh, Joe Biden remembers exactly where he is and what he's trying to say. But beyond that, they've been really pointless. Uh, this one was a little more entertaining, obviously. Uh, but in that, and, and here here's what I noticed. Um, maybe it's just me, but with... All of the guns pointed at uh, Bloomberg. Bernie just kind of, because again, Bernie's kind of been the target in the prior debates with everybody focusing on Bloomberg and how horrible he is. Bernie just, you know, slid by under the radar. Nobody noticed what was happening. And in that, we ended up in the Nevada uh, caucuses and Bernie ran away with it. I mean, now, and I haven't seen, I've been, I was trying to find anything on, uh, Google or whatever, a graphic of some kind that I could share with you to show exactly how many voted and so on. I saw something and I haven't had a chance to, to really kind of go through and fact check it. I could probably look it up right now. Um, Nevada live, uh, podcasting. Don't you love it? Caucus result. Let's see what it says. So, um, with 88% of the Democrat, again, this was Saturday, Bernie Sanders has got 47% with a total <laughs> Here's the th- the thing. This is this is the thing that that, that 88% of uh, precincts have reported. 
and 6,120 votes in the Democratic caucus in Nevada. I should look up the population of Nevada, but I won't. But a very small amount of people are out there voting in these Democratic caucuses. Biden uh, in second place, 21% with 2,000. Buttigieg in third with 1,722. There was no primary contest for Trump. So he just got all the, the delegates. But one of the things that I wanted to look at... I apologize. I really was hoping that I wouldn't have uh, gone into the whole yawning thing. Um, Looking at the Democrats, if we go back to Iowa, Pete Buttigieg won with 563 votes. 563 votes. Um, Donald Trump won the Iowa caucus because there were Bill Weld and Joe Walsh that were there. 31,000 votes. So Donald Trump, I mean, here, here's what we're seeing. And I think I mentioned this last week, but there are so few people that are coming out and voting in these Democratic caucuses. And there are more people coming out to vote in primary caucuses, even in places where Donald is not being uh, challenged or challenged very lightly. Um, this, is, this is what we're going to see in, in a general election. We're going to see very little Democrat voter turnout, and we're going to see, again, huge Trump turnouts, especially if Bernie ends up being the the candidate. America is not going to vote for a socialist. It is not going to happen. Now, again, we'll mark the tape and we'll come back and look and see if I happen to be wrong, which I've been wrong a lot in the past. I was the one that said America was never going to vote for Donald Trump. But this is, and and this is going to kind of lead into my next little bit, and we're probably going to have a very short podcast today. I mean, I'm only 10 minutes in and I'm already ready to wrap up uh, just because things are just so ridiculous. Um, I can't, I cannot believe that there is a socialist, an avowed socialist, who is heading up and winning in the Democratic uh, primary season right now. And Bernie is, is, is leading the pack. Um, to even think that this would be possible, I, I, I feel sorry for Kyle Mann and Ethan Nicole over there at the Babylon Bee, because satire has become real. I mean, the reality of satire is that satire just doesn't seem to exist anymore. I mean, what we used to think were were satirical stories and humor and, and so on are like real life anymore. You know, the fact that Snopes is fact-checking the Babylon Bee mind-blowing just my mind-boggling that some of the things are happening that are happening and so here's the thing i want to talk a lot about the babylon bee because some things that went down this week with me i actually had an old buddy in high school uh that i don't know if i wouldn't even really call him a troll um just 
I don't even know how to describe it, but I, I share a ton of the Babylon Bee stories because I find them amazingly funny um, and close to real life. And, and a couple of them that I've shared, the ones about AOC being not very intelligent, which I've said it before. She is obviously an intelligent woman. I mean, she's gone to college. She graduated. She... I can't say she's not intelligent. She's just not smart. And kind of, let me get, see if I can kind of break down what I mean by this. And I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail on AOC, but it's just so easy. I worked with a doctor years ago who had been through met, uh, through law school and she had had a, a successful lawyer practice. And this woman was so intelligent. She was like, she decided just to take the MCATs to see how, and aced them. So she decides to enroll in medical school. Graduates med school with flying colors. Now here's a woman who has gone to law school, graduated law school, had a practice, on a whim decided to take the MCATs, did really well, decides to go to med school. Now she is in residency, um, or not, in internship, at University of Utah Hospital and no common sense whatsoever. This is a woman who was on call who went supposed to be in building cardiology on call, uh, cardiologist on call uh, internship and decided to go home because she wanted to get busy with her honey. Left her phone behind, you know, and not realizing you are on call. So this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. It's not that AOC is not intelligent. I mean, if I'm sure she's probably got a really high IQ. She just doesn't have the common sense and just really isn't smart. And the things that she says, you know, the whole issue of, oh, you can't, it's impossible. You know, the, this whole pull yourself up by your bootstrap started out as a joke because it's impossible and da-da-da-da-da. You know, just some of the things she says are ridiculous. And... I mean, it's it's endless entertainment to watch it, but I mean, these are used to be the stories. I mean, Babylon B did a, did an article about her of AOC strangles herself trying to tie her shoes because she's so stupid. And literally, I mean, it's like you've got to go way over the edge into something like that to create satire, because reality is becoming satirical. And, I mean, looking at the just the Democrat nominees, you know, Elizabeth Warren, who claimed and, and, and used, she was part Native American and used it to get, uh, you know, in college at Harvard, and she put it on her, her, her applications and was in a, a Native American cookbook and blah, blah, blah. You know, that's ridiculous. Pete Buttigieg, you know, here's a... <laughs> A gay man who thinks that he's married, which he's not, um, does not, but also claims to be Christian. And that was the, the, that was a big article that I had shared and caused this kind of long drawn out situation on my Facebook. So I share the, the thing, Pete Buttigieg, um, basically was saying Donald Trump, there's nothing that Donald Trump does that I find that lines up with scripture, dude. Call the kettle black much? 
your whole lifestyle doesn't line up with scripture. And I'm not defending Donald Trump at all. I mean, I do not appreciate, I, I did not vote for him because of the uh, grab them by the privates comment. That was the line that I, I mean, I don't know that I wanted to vote for him before. I didn't like the, the treatment, the, the name calling, anything like that. But when that tape came out for the, uh, you know, grab them by the private parts and, you know, whatever. Um, I said, no, I won't vote for this guy. So, no, I do not think, I mean, it's in the, the intro video for this podcast. Um, Trump just outright said, I've never asked for forgiveness. I don't think like that. So, no, Donald is not a Christian. I would not consider him to be a Christian. Um, I would love the opportunity to share the gospel with him and see if I could get him to be a Christian. But the fact that, that Pete Buttigieg is saying, well, there's nothing that he does that is according to scripture. Well, Pete, you're not a Christian either. There you go. I said it. You're not. You live in open rebellion to the word of God in a, in a homosexual lifestyle. You're not a Christian. You are not. So you don't have anywhere, any room to talk about anything of Donald Trump. It literally is the, the pot calling the kettle black. Thank you for pointing out the, th- the fact that, that Donald Trump apparently lives a lifestyle contra- contra- contrary to scripture. So do you, Pete. And again, this is this, you, can't, you can't make this stuff up. So I post that, and I have one of my, a couple of people, my cousin, who is a Pete, uh, Pete supporter, who is, well, I'd rather have a guy with integrity than what we have in the Oval Office. Well, the problem is, is Pete doesn't have any integrity. You cannot claim to follow a religion and then live in open rebellion to the, the teachings of that religion and expect to be called integritous. It's not. But then another guy is like coming at me because I'm, I'm sharing divisive stuff. I'm not sharing the love of God, blah, 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 blah. So I just kept hitting him with these memes, you know, the facepalm meme, the speechless meme, stuff like that. And then he came at me and he's like, he's like, well, if you don't have anything to say, then stop sharing these passive aggressive memes. I'm like, dude, you're lucky I'm just sharing passive aggressive memes. But here's the deal. And, and then he did unfriend me and so on. I told him, you can block me if you want, if you don't like what I'm sharing. Because, again, the things that the Babylon Bee writes is, it, I mean, the lines are being blurred and the reality of satire is becoming almost scary. But so the reason we use, I mean, satire is used for so many different things, but we try to... <laughs> to try, try to drum up something funny out of these things almost to the because we need to keep from crying because of the way things are going the, the direction that our country is headed is horrifying and the great thing about the babylon being the satire that they do is they're equal opportunity you know they don't just go after the left they go after the left they go after the right they go after the middle you know they're they're hitting libertarians christians uh conservatives, Democrats, Calvinists, Arminians, you name it, they're writing about it and it's funny and it's fun and it's, uh, but it also can be, I mean, go listen to their podcast. I mean, check out the, the Babylon B 
podcast because they've had some really good interviews. Candace Owen, um, a couple other people. I can't think anybody off the top of my head. Candace Owen is the only one that comes to mind, and it was a great interview. Um, but then just the stories that they do, and, and the podcast is great. And then Adam Ford, who who started the Babylon Bee, has actually to this point gone, and he started another newsletter and another website called Discern, D-I-S-C-N, I believe, something like that. Um, D-I-S-C-R-N, something to that effect. Um, look up Adam Ford. Um, and because it's like, he's like, I need to start reporting and talking and writing about the reality of this stuff. I, I did the satire, but the satire almost became real life. So now I've got to get out there and start writing the real life stuff. So discern is Adam Ford's uh, new newsletter. Get that too, because it's great. Put it in conjunction with, with the Babylon Bee and you've got the funny and the real and the made up almost, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not that it's even completely made up. It's, it's based on a true story with a little bit of, you know, uh, fictional flair thrown in to, to keep you literally keep you from crying over the reality of it. Uh, so what's the point of all that? I don't know. I don't know. I just wanted to talk about the Babylon B and, uh, and just sh- share my appreciation for the sat- satirical use of, of humor and so on to kind of push our way through uh, what is just just an ugly, ridiculous political atmosphere that we got going on. And so take that all. And again, what, what, what we do here, we want to take all this and look at it from a Christian worldview. What does all this mean? You know, what does it mean? I mean, is it wrong to share satire? I mean, it's not entirely true, but it's not a lie. I mean, it's, it's fiction, it's fabrication, it's, it's humor. Um, the thing is, is the apostles used it. Jesus used sarcasm and satire. And again, we, we have to balance it. We really have to balance it. If we just get too far into the sarcasm and satire, then we're Dennis Leary, we're, we're Bill Maher, we're, we're uh, oh, Dennis Miller. Where, yeah, you're, you're saying funny things and, and you're getting some laughs, but there's nothing good coming out of it. There's no benefit from it. Um, I mean, any of those guys, I just, I don't see the benefit coming out of anything that they say. But then if you don't, I mean, if you just stay, you know, if you're just jumping on stories or whatever, you become CNN and fake news, right? So there is a balance that can be found um, between sharing biblical truth and being sarcastic. And, uh, I started listening to Doug Wilson's book, the, the, something about the serrated edge. Um, and I haven't, I I got distracted with, with things that went on. And so I haven't had a chance to finish it, but I really want to want to finish this book because it, it's got some, some good insight into how to use sarcasm and satire um, how, when, and how to be most effective with it. Um, but again, finding the balance in that, in, in proclaiming the gospel and truth, 
from a biblical standpoint. Again, I would love the opportunity to sit down with Donald Trump, with Pete Buttigieg, with any of these people, any of these candidates, and preach the gospel to them. Share the truth with them. I don't know that I'm likely to, to have that opportunity. So in the meantime, I'm going to share whatever satire I can. But again, understanding that we need to be praying for them. Great thing that our church is doing right now is praying for, for the local magistrate. We, are, we have started taking names of people in local government. We pray for them on Sunday morning. We've got letters that we're mailing to them that the people in the church are signing stating we're praying for you and so on. So, uh, but it doesn't uh, prevent us from using sarcasm if necessary, satire if necessary, if the, if the uh, need arises. So again, I, I think this week was just a whole lot of babble um, for the sake of babbling. Uh, and sometimes that's good. So at least I can give you guys a little bit of an insight of where I'm coming from and why I do the things I do. Um, you know, satire is great. It's, it's an effective tool to a point to get people's attention. I mean, it, it got my buddy's attention. Uh, did I get an opportunity to share the gospel with him? A little bit. Um, over the last couple of weeks as he's, he's posted things here and there, uh, I did get an opportunity to, to share little bits of the gospel, maybe not as much as I would like, and, and that's on me, and I, I should, you know, repent and uh, try to do better next time. I can't, not going to get a real good opportunity with him because he's unfriended me and, and so on, but uh, find your balance. Use the sarcasm and the satire to draw up the people who are asking the questions and and use that to to uh, slingshot into a, a conversation about the gospel and sharing the gospel with them because that is our whole purpose and that is why we end every single episode of this show and every other show I do with the same words and that is preach the gospel at all times use words they're necessary until next time soli deo gloria Thank mm-hmm. you.